no ticket. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of... How do you know it's morning where they are? Well, I'm uploading it in the morning. <laughs> yeah, but how do you know? <laughs> I, I I just have an intuition about these this things. This isn't a live broadcast. No, but I presume most people listen to these on their drives or their morning runs or while they're doing the dishes. That seems dangerous because all the joy and laughter we bring to people could be distracting on the road. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me is my co-host, Matt Garingo. Um, yes, I'm... If, that, if you didn't know who that was, that's me. Yeah, that, that's the other guy. Uh, uh, we're here to talk about 51st Dates and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You're on Happy Amblin! Yay! Uh, yeah, this is the last Happy Amblin of 2021. We're going to be shifting over to another retrospective after this to end out the year, but we're going big for our season finale. How big... Yes. We're talking about um, another movie that involves gaslighting. Hey. Everyone's favorite Adam Sandler plot. Um, 50 hey. First Dates. Uh, Diego. Hi. Would you like to explain to the audience why, as, I am, as we are recording right now, um, 11.54 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 24th of November, uh, that your letterboxed, has 51st Dates rated with four stars. Because I think this is a pretty charming movie with some really <laughs> gross stuff in it. <laughs> I like this movie. <laughs> look, 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 here's the thing. Charm, I will give it that. There is a lot of charm here. I will not deny it. Adam Sandler is, oddly enough, a very charming... <laughs> makes very charming movies occasionally. Like it is, it seems like a complete contradiction. Um, not enough for me to give it four stars. Okay, I think this is the best Adam Sandler comedy. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not sure if I'm following you there. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if I can I can do that. Um, although that does beg the question: What is my favorite Adam Sandler comedy? <laughs> Because I honestly don't know if I can answer that question. Now, listen, we, we talked a lot about your nostalgia with Adam Sandler comedies. This is mm -hmm. the one that I've always enjoyed, and I find okay. it very funny. And Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler still have just, like, impeccable chemistry. Like, if, Yeah, they are kind of the ones where it's like, whenever he's, like, kind of in a weird spot in a career, they just bring her back. Yeah, they, they do work they really well I together. think they should work together, like, more often. I know they're still, like, close and stuff, but, like... Mm -hmm. I'd like to see more stuff with them, uh, with less questionable <laughs> story directions. Yeah, weird, uh, this is a weird movie. Mm -hmm. Oh no, it's very uh, odd, and very... I, I definitely think, um, because uh, people, like, like this movie. Like, this yeah. is maybe, like, his second most popular film outside of, uh, uh, The Wedding Singer. At least for um, his comedy yeah, stuff. Speaking of people who like this movie, uh, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars. See, he gets it. A.O. Scott praised the uplifting story. <laughs> <laughs> Rex Reed did not like it, though. Oh, okay. So, we gotta, you know, Rex Reed, you know, that staple of the film community. <laughs> well, here, you know, for people that don't know... Is Rex Reed dead? I don't, I don't know. I was gonna talk about Fifty First Dates. <laughs> He's 83 and still alive. Jesus Christ. So. Well, here, you know uh, what? Fine. Matt, what is 51st Dates about? 
Um, 50 First Dates is about Adam Sandler taking advantage of a woman with brain damage. Is, is my my wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Um, you know, not really. <laughs> um, but because this is this is a romantic comedy, and it's a genre that's filled with stuff that is not always very. Uh, progressive or on the up and up that is dubious about the nature of consent yes and by dubious i mean completely ignores <laughs> yeah that the nature and question of cons- consent <laughs> so it's not like abnormal honestly yeah it, it really isn't like it's not an abnormal uh romantic comedy it's just this this is a weird hill uh to get over mm-hmm. honestly and if it's your um, first time watching 50 first dates i you know, if you, you you come at me with, Diego, what the fuck? I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. The The chemistry is just so charming. I, it totally wins me over every time. And it is only because I watched it, like, when it first came out. And um, I, I had visited Hawaii a couple times. And so the, um, mm-hmm. this always holds a very special place in my heart. Boy, oh boy. That... That story element is just like it just hangs over this beautiful location, cast and crew like a dark cloud. <laughs> it, that's that's what it comes down to for me. Uh, this is also directed by Peter Siegel, our boy. <laughs> I don't know if he's not. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, we, we um, loved um, Peter Siegel's anger management. <laughs> oh, he did the Get Smart movie. People like that movie. They, uh, it's a bad movie. He also did Grudge Match. I don't know that one. That's the uh, uh, De Niro and Stallone are finally gonna fight. Oh my god! I remember forgot. That movie? Remember that? Yeah, remember that run of like weird like senior citizen comedies, and it's nothing <laughs> against like the actors. Like they're they always had like these fucking incredible casts. But they'd work with, like, the most generic script or directors ever. Yeah. In the mid-2010s. You know that happened a lot. It 100% is. Uh, the baby boomers are all getting old. They don't really want to admit it. So we have to make comedies that feature all their famous stars, but we have to acknowledge the fact that they're all old now. Yeah, like, I saw Last Vegas. Did you ever see Last Vegas? Oh, I never saw it. I, I saw the previews for it, but I never saw it. Yeah, that one was, like, peak that. Mm-hmm. Was it good? No. Okay. I mean, like, it's like, it's it's one of those cable movies that, like, your your aunts and uncles would be like, yeah, I saw that. I thought it was pretty funny. And then you mm-hmm. never hear about it again. Interestingly, let's say if, like, I had to go to the movies one weekend with a family member and I got, like, a matinee screening, would I have had a good time? Eh, probably, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's all you can really ask for from those movies. Mm-hmm. That's honestly probably my experience with most Sandler films, honestly. And, you know, there is, like, value to that. We don't need everything to be, like, fucking Uncle Boon Me who can recall his past lives, you know? Yeah. I don't need a life-changing experience every time. Well, Although I am very movie... much looking forward to seeing Memoria whenever that comes mm-hmm. to L.A., so... But, but, I'm, but we don't need... It's not even that. We don't need every movie to be, like, these massive fucking movies, really. Mm-hmm. Like, we've really lost the mid-level movies in recent years. Yeah, they're all, like, and... relegated to streaming now, which is, like... yeah. Wouldn't be a problem if they were also still in theaters. Yeah. 
But I, you know, I guess that's just the way things are going. Yeah. Um, but hey, uh, all right. So the the real setup of this movie is that Adam Sandler meets Drew Barrymore, and they like they hit it off really well. And he's like, "Oh, we're going on a date. I'll see you next time." And then when they run into each other, she doesn't remember him, and that's when he finds out that she has this uh, type of amnesia where every time she goes to sleep, she forgets the previous day, and she thinks. It is the same day over and over again. And all the people in her life, instead of, like, putting her in any sort of, like, uh, hospital or just trying to acclimate her to her situation, have decided to just pretend it's that day for the rest of her life. Um, And that day is specifically her father's birthday, correct? Yes. Um, And, uh, like like I said, in a weird way, I do kind of like the setup of the plot you know like not in a like it's weird that it's a romantic comedy i guess is what i'm getting at mm-hmm. but i like the idea of like this battle of like do or should we be honest with her about her situation and then like what like there's consequences to that that are negative and but also uh playing along with the belief that she has that it's the same day over and over again also is that kind of trapping her in a weird way is that limiting what she could do with her? Like, I, I like that setup. Yeah, and I think that's, it, yeah, that's a really interesting conflict. And like yeah. most Adam Sandler stuff, like we're discovering is like, no, no, no. There's like an idea you could pull out of most of these movies into something like really special. And while this film is not particularly special, I think it became special for like a lot of people. Like not just me because of, of my nostalgia for it, but like ask most people, they'll say 51st Dates, Wedding Singer are like the better Adam Sandler films, like hands down. Those are the I responses think, you'll get. I think uh, there is... I think nostalgia must play a factor in this, though, a little bit. Because I think anyone new that discovers this is like, wait, that's what this fucking movie's yeah. about? Like, I think that her... And we kind of just have to ignore its portrayal of amnesia, which, guess what, isn't accurate. <laughs> <laughs> we have to extract... We have to remove any sort of real-world logic we're going to put on this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um... Because, like, it's not to get ahead, but the movie kind of cheats in its ending with, because, uh, like, again, we're going to have that debate about consent, but at the end of the movie, it's revealed that she doesn't re- she doesn't remember Adam Sandler, but there's a part of her that every day responds to who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, one, she always sings the Beach Boys, <laughs> wouldn't it be nice, whenever she meet quote-unquote, meets him, and then later she's when he's like removed himself from her life she's painting pictures of him even though she has no idea who he is which is the film's way of kind of being like deep down she really loves him right mm-hmm. which is almost like a fairy tale logic it, it is yeah it's, it's more like a fantasy yeah it's just weird that it's like that there's nothing else like that in this film yeah um it, it becomes oh, like guess- the reveal you could totally have rewritten this and just, like, gone all in on, like, kind of, like, the modern fairy tale thing. Kind of that, like, uh, fucking Guillermo del Toro does. <laughs> like <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's 50 First Dates. 50 First Dates. That sounds incredible, actually. Hang on. I, I mean, because you have to remember, like, his character, he's, he's, like, a veterinarian, so he works at, like, a SeaWorld-type place with the animals. Which you could totally do something with that to like add to the fairy tale nature of the movie. I could just right? imagine Guillermo del Toro being like, "I've wanted to work with Adam Sandler, and I thought he was so <laughs> funny in the Wedding Singer." 
you feel, that feels like a team up that could happen one of these days. Oh, please God, yes. Like it really does. Um, although, yeah, like didn't Guillermo del Toro spend like an entire day with Ryan Gosling at Disneyland? Yeah, you know why? It, what was it for? They were supposed to do Disney's Haunted Mansion together in the mid-2010s. Oh, that fell okay. through, but they're still homies. And then instead of going to the Academy Awards, they were like, fuck it, let's go to Disneyland. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's yeah. So that's that, a good idea. That honestly. rules. <laughs> that's a really good idea to go to Disneyland when everyone's paying attention to the Academy Awards. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, I wish that Haunted Mansion movie would happen. It's happening um, now, but now it's... I don't know who it is. It's probably some idiot directing it. I'm gonna get the Muppets haunted mansion, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it though. Uh, uh, our boy Dan Doherty said it was good. Okay, so, Dan, I, I trust you. I gotta check it out because like the Muppets are so hit and miss nowadays. Yeah. It's so sad. God damn! I remember being like, "This Muppet show looks terrible," and everyone came down hard on me, and was like, "No, nah, man, the guy who's doing it, he's like." He knows Jim Henson, which I think like was kind of like greatly exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And then they came out and it was terrible. <laughs> oh hey, um, Justin Simeon is directing the Haunted Mansion reboot. Hmm, who's that? <laughs> uh, he he did Dear White People. He's doing the Lando show. Oh, okay. That could be something. That could, yeah, hey, sure. Um, also, Owen um, Wilson, but, but, Rosario Dawson, and Danny DeVito are all going to be in it. Okay, so it's not going to be something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's the, like, I love those people. That's the cast you get together when you're like, eh, we just need people to put in this fucking movie. <laughs> I mean, look, it's, the, the modern remakes from that company specifically have not been good to the point that I've just stopped watching them so I'll probably yeah. avoid it if it doesn't look like a real film. But it but honestly like not to be like but the 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 basing movies off their rides thing honestly seems like a really smart idea because it really worked well for them that one time. <laughs> and they have a lot of weird rides but that's I guess another thing about Disney Corporation that sucks in recent years is they no longer really make original attractions. Like, every ride they make now is based on a movie. Mm-hmm. Except for Expedition Everest, which has, like, been a notorious disaster. Oh. Did I tell you about that no, one? Oh, no, 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 go ahead. Before we go so back I, to I, gaslighting and yeah, consent ignoring. Yeah, fuck this movie. But uh, Expedition Everest, I got to ride it, like, the week it opened, like, by sheer chance, so I got really lucky. They really hyped that ride. It was, like, one of the first roller coasters they've really built at Disney, because they don't really build roller coasters. And it was 200 feet tall. They built an entire mountain. And they were really hyping the animatronic Yeti they put inside of it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like this giant fucking robot. It's like a like a fucking Megatron robot <laughs> inside this fucking thing. And if, have you ridden the Matterhorn at Disneyland? Of course. You know how they have that goofy looking... Uh, although now he's an animatronic. They used to have that goofy looking... Uh, uh, fucking abominable snowman in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, this one was like like three times taller and would like fucking swipe at your car <laughs> as you passed it. Yeah, it was it was great, and I got to see it. Um, if you ride Expedition Everest now, that robot is not functioning. Aww. They just flash a strobe line on it, and it's because uh, clearly the robot guys and the people building the mountain were not talking to each other. 
because they attach the robot to structurally important beams <laughs> inside the mountain, and the robot was so powerful, it was bringing down the mountain. Oh my god! <laughs> it was so, this fucking, they built this robot, and you, I can't describe how much they were hyping how fucking, like, impressive this robot was. Like, it was that thing where they hit it behind, like, that fog, like, glass, and being like, this is the most complicated robot we've ever built for a Disney attraction. You can, it will be unbelievable when you see it. And, like, now it just doesn't even move. That's too bad. I want to see a movie about that. Oh, you know what? That's about just fucking the... Simpsons, Issy, and Scratchy Land. I was yeah. going to say, like, <laughs> like, like, failing animatronics and, like, crumbling infrastructure. But, no, that's, that's just that episode <laughs> of The Simpsons. So go watch it's that, like... everyone. Yeah, that's a good one. Although now uh, Disney owns The Simpsons. Oh. Uh, already, after they already built a Simpsons ride at Universal Studios. That's pretty funny. So, that's the same thing where Marvel was also at Universal Studios. <laughs> and, and Universal specifically fought and won to keep the Marvel license. So Well, they got Marvel stuff at Disneyland now. Well, that's because there's no Marvel presence at Universal california other than the spider-man ride oh that's right it's you guys we, that get it over there You're, yeah we're east in, uh, coasters yeah in florida they have an entire land which is so sad when you go now oh it's so sad because they now it used to be based on all the cartoons right mm -hmm. and now it's like kind of based on the cartoons but also they've like now they're starting to dress the heroes like they look in the disney films and it's so sad. Mm. It's so sad. What else is sad is... Is the plot of this film. A little bit. Um, but I want to shout out the cast, because we do that in this show. Yes. Everyone's favorite, Rob Schneider. That's another thing that's going to make you uh, lose uh, any interest in this film, is Rob Schneider's performance as a, uh indigenous Hawaiian. Yeah, that sucks. Also, Lucia Struess as Alexa... According to the Wikipedia, Henry's ambiguously gendered assistant, which is the butt of many jokes and yes. not great at all. Diego's the one defending this film. Yeah, I, I just need I to get wanna... this out of the way before I get to the good stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's other stuff I'm forgetting right now. Look, dude, I've literally defended like half of these. This is just the one where you like it more than me. <laughs> <laughs> this probably will never happen again. <laughs> I don't think so. Um but the good stuff in the cast, apart from Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, Sean Astin, hey. Blake Clark, who's like a comedy legend at this point. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, and also he's been he's, he's become a Sandler regular mm -hmm. at this point. He beat the shit out of his football playing son <laughs> um, in uh, Mr. Deeds. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, as a doctor. Ghostbuster? Hey, uh, hey, does anyone want to talk about how fucking sad it is watching Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and Bill Murray promoting the new Ghostbusters? Although I do like Bill Murray's joke where he's like, well, you know, everyone who saw it told me they cried, so that's how you know it'll be a really successful comedy. <laughs> but, uh, isn't it sad? <laughs> They're all so old now. Even Dan Aykroyd. We missed the window on reclaiming Dan Aykroyd as a character actor. This is what culture is now. You fucked us, now. Hollywood. You fucked us. 
This is what culture is now. We just bring back the dead. Oh god, that's so awful. I can't believe I I can't believe that's happening in Ghostbusters. Yeah, I'm not watching that shit. Sorry. And there's not a fucking riot. You know? Mm -hmm. Fuck that movie. Yeah. How's it doing compared to the other one? Uh, you know what? Let me check. We're gonna shit on Ghostbusters a little bit in this podcast too. It's made it's made seventy five no it's made sixty three million on a seventy five million dollar budget. Um, the other one made a two hundred twenty nine million. This one will probably I I don't think it's gonna make that. Yeah, frankly. it probably won't make that yeah. because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But, so even uh, though it's lower budget, I I don't see it really like lasting. Also, because like the the reviews have been like incredibly mixed to the point where like. Like real like critics that like, I would say love mixed movies to negative. don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I would say I've most I've only seen like a couple weirdos really defending it. Like yeah. Kevin Smith. I mean, like, look, you like Ghostbusters. I liked that cartoon back in the day too. The premise mm. of Ghostbusters is honestly brilliant. Blue collar working class guys going up against the apocalypse. Perfect recipe, <laughs> right? But um, like we don't need this anymore. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't. Yeah. I think we just we we we've we've definitely Ghostbusters is just gonna be like the like constantly late franchise, mm-hmm. you know, like Ghostbusters two is made five years after the first Ghostbusters, right? <laughs> like so that's already a little late. And then the third one, the reboot, was made when everyone was doing the like legacy reboots, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a legacy, <laughs> and it wasn't. It was just a straight up remake, which no one wanted, like. And now they're doing the Legacy reboot right at the time everyone is sick of Legacy reboots. You know what? That's kind of perfect for Ghostbusters, though. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And I'm not defending... I I don't like any of them apart from the first one. You know what? I do kind of like the 16 one, but, like, I'm not... Mm -hmm. The movie's what it is. I I like that team of creatives. I don't think the movie's that great, but, like... I like the team of creatives, and I like the other films they've made. (laughs) There you go. Um, But, no, I, I, I guess... Whatever, you know? Like... It's, Anytime it's, I, just, I, it's a I, comedy series that's taken way too seriously, and yeah. none of the sequels worked. And sorry, it's it's have these talented people do other things. There you go. If you want to know how insidious nostalgia is, um, because I saw the preview for Afterlife, and I was already kind of like resigned, like I don't need another Ghostbusters in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So I knew I was going to see, it unless literally it was like you and three other people were like, actually, it's really good. <laughs> Like, it would have taken that to get me to go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. But when that trailer played, and they di- when I heard the Ghostbusters, the Ecto-1 siren, it, like, got something in me, you know? <laughs> like, and, but, like, I'm not saying, like, I was like, oh, my God, it's the Ecto-1. It just, like, it, like, the part of your brain, like, starts, like, clicking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, that engine, and it would, like, it made me so upset. <laughs> like, <laughs> that I'm like, that could fucking get me, you know? Uh-huh. Like, cause I'm like, I'm sitting there like a hundred percent not going to see this movie. And then that part of it, it, my brain is like, yeah, but the Ecto-1 siren. (laughs) And I'm like, no. (laughs) And it's that part of all the fucking Jurassic World trailers that play the John Williams theme. Oh yeah, yeah. Even the sad, like somber version. There's something about that fucking theme that every time I hear it, I'm just, it's like, even though I'm like, no way I'm going to see that next one. It's like, yeah, but. The fucking John Williams. Well, you know, it's something that connects you, like, 
to, to a time in your life when you found, like, joy and happiness in these it things? It brings me back to a time in my life when my body fucking works. Like, <laughs> that's really all it is. Kind of, yeah, but, like, I mean, your, your emotions, your, your feelings of connectivity to these things that bring you joy are not the problem, you know? Yeah. Like, you can enjoy, like, a trailer to Ghostbusters, and you could probably even enjoy the film, and I won't, like, hate you, but I do hate that this movie exists. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there there's, like, a purity to, like, finding joy in, in like, something that moves you, you know? Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. That's what, that's you know, connects people to each other and why <laughs> Drew Barrymore is connected to Adam Sandler in 51st Date. Did you like that? Did you like that? Yeah, sure. Okay. Did you say you like this more than uh, The Wedding Singer? I might. Because I, I, I definitely like The Wedding Singer more. Okay. Um, this that might be nostalgia, pure nostalgia for why I like this yeah. one more. Um, you know why this one doesn't uh, work as much as well? I don't know. No Lovitz. Oh, Lovitz could have been the Dan Aykroyd character, but I don't know. You can't. Lovitz can't be a doctor. <laughs> John Lovitz has to be like a sleazy guy. Okay. <laughs> Becoming be like, oh, I, I I can sell. Like he had to be like a guy who is like upselling her thing because she knows he won't remember, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I don't have change for this. And then he's like, oh, well, just give me the 20 and I'll pay you back tomorrow. Oh. And he's like, (laughs) (laughs) That could be the Lovitz character, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I would have loved that. (laughs) All right, all right. Um, Oh, also. One character that acknowledges how fucking scummy this all is, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I also want to shout out uh, Amy Hill as Sue, the cafe Mm -hmm. manager. She's She's an actress that's like, you've seen her and stuff. She pops up in a ton of things, yeah. and it's fun. Yeah, she's and always fun. She shows up. Um, she's always committed. That that's someone I think like we're we're gonna miss when she's gone. Frankly. Mm. Yeah. She'll, yeah. I think did I see her like on stage somewhere? <laughs> I think I might have. Uh, well, uh, she's she's great in everything. Um, I've seen her live somewhere, and I can't remember where. All of a sudden, um, she was in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh wait, what? As the Cathalon moderator, so that means her scene got cut mostly. Mm. Remember how fun that first one was? God damn, that movie is really fun, yeah. and uh, it's it's weird that they forgot that they they came up with a really good take on MJ in that movie, and then once you find out it's MJ, they just stopped writing her like an original character. Yeah, which has been really depressing. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had to give it back to the fans. Because that's all culture is now. Yeah. Unlike the perfection that is 51st Dates. I guess, yeah, no, this is for no one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's for uh, idiotic millennials and baby boomers. Spider-Man Homecoming like or 51st Dates. Wait, what? Which, which is better? Oh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. I was, I was, I was hoping Adam Sandler could be Uncle Ben, though. I don't know if he could be Uncle Ben, but he could be like one of the weirder rogues gallery Spider-Man villains. Oh, like hey, hey, man. Peter! I'm, uh, you know, Otto Octavius. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can't be like one of the scientist guys. <laughs> Why not? He could totally do it. Who's uh? No one takes what him seriously, they... you know. Adam Sandler as Ben Grimm 
from the Fantastic Four. <laughs> uh, I, I could see that. Oh, fuck, you know what? This might just be for me, because I have a very specific, like, idea of what this character should be. But Adam Sandler mm. is the shocker. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one takes him seriously. He's got good stuff, but he himself is also kind of lazy. He gets pushed around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck he yeah. Got, yeah, the chip on his shoulder kind of villain. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that would be great. I think I've said this on the podcast. You know what franchise Sandler really should get in? I don't know, actually. St- Star Wars. Star- oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would a hundred percent be a good, like, kind of like scummy guy in Star Wars. He has that energy. He would need to be with a good director, of course. Yeah, but yeah. of course. He has that energy. And unfortunately, like one thing I will say about Adam Sandler is like I'm I'm noticing more like how much he really phones it in mm-hmm. <laughs> in certain movies. And he really on his when his movies start getting really special effects driven, those are the ones where he really phones it in. Mm-hmm. So that might be like the the thing that stops him from ever achieving a Star Wars. Ah, just just have him be like a minor role then. Give him like three days of work and he'll do it. You know, the guy who hires a guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Hey Han, we got this uh this auxilian trade over here. Oh yeah. Or who's that guy in uh, Force Awakens? That Unker Plot or whatever the fuck his name was. Oh my God, he's the yeah, guy handing Ray her like rations. Yeah. Hey, you want more of the like, Too bad! <laughs> That's the version of that character now. <laughs> That's awful. Um, I don't know why we're getting off Fifty First Dates. I, I, I like it. Uh, it's... Diego really likes it, so let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, uh, keep you're still going through the cast. Yeah. Who the fuck? Oh, Maya Rudolph pops up at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, your your boy Alan Covert later in the film. <laughs> sure. Ten Second Tom. Um, that's an interesting character. Yeah, he has uh, uh, the same issue as Drew no, Barrymore's I, character, but like exacerbated to only ten percent mem or uh, ten second memory, so he can't remember anything beyond ten seconds. You might have to cut this, but you know what my name would be if it was if I was ten second Tom. I I kind of don't want to know now. Kill me. No, <laughs> <laughs> no that's staying in. I'm sorry, that's <laughs> awful. But if I am 10 second Tom, if that happens to me, fucking someone just fucking kill me. Like, <laughs> I don't need people playing pranks on me because I fucking only remember 10 seconds. <laughs> I already have bad memory. Well, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, it's not like... Uh... It's not like a home run movie. Like, on the Sandler scale, it's just, you know, it's up there for me. And it's, the, the chemistry between them is sweet. And even though the whole, like, it's it's a very skeevy situation. But I do like the, the meat cutes he tries to organize. Mm-hmm. It's just, the, the context is so bad. Yeah. You skipped over a one after. Um, Missy Pyle. You say, um, no. Oh. <laughs> Um, the guy who played Nick, uh, the, the chef. Oh, uh. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I'm I, trying I, to, I'm trying to see the name. Let's... I, 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 I was waiting for you cause I cannot, I was, I knew I would fuck up the pronunciation. So I was going to throw it to you. Pomaaki Brown. Sure. I pr- I'm pretty sure that, if that's not it, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure it's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he is great. 
He is, I, I liked him a lot yeah. in this. He had my favorite joke in the movie, uh, which is when they made the tape for her the first time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, since since your accident, I became governor of Hawaii. And then they zoom out, and he's just a shovel of garbage. He's like, nah, I'm too smart. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a real charming little joke. Yeah. Yeah, like, all the little supporting characters are, are, are fun, except for Rob Schneider, who is, uh, should be in prison. <laughs> Yeah. Basically. I think there is a thing where I think the worst Sandler films probably have Rob Schneider in it. Like, that will be it. How Rob Schneider's not good. dare you? <laughs> he wasn't in Little Nicky. Um, I like that movie. I know, I know. <laughs> hey, we'll see. I, it's weird that Rob Schneider, whenever he is in these movies, he's always playing like an offensive stereotype. Yeah, is that like in like, his contract? I don't know. I need to be as repulsive as possible. I I think, honestly, and this is going to be the meanest thing I probably ever say on the podcast, it's because he is desperately unfunny, and the only way you can make him funny is if he does a funny voice, you know? Like, there's no, like, Rob Schneider, regular guy, is not funny. There's nothing to that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, what is Rob Schneider's thing? Racism. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that is it, like... It's, but, uh, like, think about it, you know, uh, he, if we, if we broke down all the people in Sandler films, you can kind of put them in a box, right? Mm -hmm. Of what, like, archetype they fill. (laughs) Where it's like, you know, David Spade's like the asshole. Kevin James is kind of the buffoon, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Chris Rock is kind of the smart guy. (laughs) Like, you could, but then Rob Schneider is just... What is he? Racist. He never, yeah, but like, they, like whenever he's played himself, there's nothing there, you know? Mm-hmm. I think in the Grown Ups films, he is, uh, he's like, how do you, how do I say it? Like, he's just kind of like a weirdo. Mm-hmm. And even he doesn't play that well. <laughs> so. Well, the good news is, I got nothing. But he's right. he, he's not, like, in the spotlight anymore, and he's not popping up in Sandler stuff often. Yeah, because they had, like, a big falling out at one point. And I think they've mended the fence, but, like, yeah, there's definitely less of Schneider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Rob Schneider's, like, a weirdo. Like, he's, like, the most vocally Republican of all those guys. Yeah. And then he's also, like, anti-vax, and, yeah, he's, he's a strange guy. You weren't a fan of his show, Real Rob? You know, I wasn't even aware of it existed until recently. Yeah, lasted uh, two seasons? It's on, like, a weird, like, streaming service. It's on Netflix. Oh, but, like, another weird one, like, produces it. Oh. Or or did he get another TV show? It might be a separate one. I might be confusing it. No, Real Rob's the only thing listed. Well, Um, he had a, a show on CBS called Rob. Okay, maybe that is what I'm thinking of. Um, but that only lasted a season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was some show that is like maybe it was real Rob. It looked really bad. Um, it looked fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll probably have nothing good to ever say about Rob Schneider. Yeah, no, he's a piece of shit. He's not. Uh, I don't even like. I'm not even trying to be like that. I'm just saying like he's desperately unfunny. He's desperately unfunny. Like, if we didn't know anything about him, yeah, if we didn't know anything about him, we he would still be very unfunny. Yeah. 
Maybe that's the most damning thing we could say. This is, he might be the worst person ever to come out of Saturday Night Live. You could make that argument. There's a there's, there's quite the list, unfortunately. Other than that, other than that cast that lasted like one year. <laughs> but that like included Gilbert Godfrey, <laughs> and Gilbert Godfrey's hysterical, but wasn't good on the show. There's always that argument. Like they were, were they good on the show? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's also a no for Rob. <laughs> His big character was the guy who had the weird nicknames. Yeah, see, what the fuck is his deal? How did this happen? <laughs> you always have that one guy who sucks. You know? I guess that's how the the, the, the SNL machine works. You gotta have one guy that makes everyone else look better. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Fucking Lorne Michaels genius, I guess. Is Lorne Michaels actually, like, a weird genius? No. Is... No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, I, mean, I shouldn't not say like, that. I want to work Not like it. a comedy genius, but a, like... Keeping my show on the air for forty years, genius. Oh yeah, I, I'd say that. Yeah. Like, does he when he puts the cast together, even if it sucks, is it like just passable enough that it can keep the show on the air? I, I guess so. I mean that that's the only explanation. Because it feels like, other than the last few years where they seem to only do political jokes, and like uh, no one wants to watch that. <laughs> um. It feels like every year there's at least one skit that kind of goes mainstream, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I guess is enough. One of them being the Ryan Gosling uh, Papyrus digital short. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, Ryan Gosling on there is like, like he saves it because he either has something funny like that or he has like moments where he just can't fucking keep it together. Yeah, he just breaks completely. Yeah. I don't know how the only like comedy thing he's done recently is The Nice Guys. I know. It seems like the, like the nice guy should have been this moment where it was like, this is what Ryan Gosling should be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, he's 100% perfect as this. And then no one's tapped into it. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, same with uh, Russell Crowe in that. That like theme felt like a really good like late-era Crowe role, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, we're getting in the chunky Crowe. Like, like it's, we're getting, like, big guy Russell Crowe, which I like, and they they're just they're not tapping into that weird kind of like dad energy he has. Yeah. <laughs> Although he was a great psycho in that one movie. <laughs> was unhinged or something? Unhinged. <laughs> so stupid. That that is like a schlock masterpiece. Really? I'm telling you, like that movie is so deranged <laughs> and mean spirited. Like it is, it is crazy. <laughs> Should Adam Sandler? have a role like that a hundred percent okay it's uh it's you know what he totally could um didn't fucking kevin james just did one recently that no one's talking about yeah he plays like a white supremacist that escaped from prison with like a gang it's like i do think kevin james has that energy i I think he does too he needs his uncut gems yeah you know who uh needs a kind of like someone needs to figure out what the fuck his energy is Hmm. and use him and I don't have an answer but I would like I think Kevin Smith needs that I think someone needs to hire Kevin Smith in a movie that isn't written by Kevin Smith okay I would like to see that you know uh-huh. but I don't know what it is yet I, I don't know I mean I, I actually like him in Die Hard 4 He's fun as like that guy, yeah. But I think he's a little past that now. No, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Don't don't put him back in that role. But I'm just saying, like, 
of the stuff I like from Kevin Smith. It's like that, <laughs> the first Clerks, <laughs> Dogma. I'm always trying to figure out, like, how would you cast, like, funny people or allegedly funny people <laughs> in serious roles. I always, I, I think about that with uh, uh, Jim Carrey as well. I think people have really struggled with that. Yeah. Like, the yeah. only time it really worked was uh, Eternal Sunshine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think you could, I think Jim Carrey could play, like, a really good creep. Like. I think so, too. And you know I, what? It's a bad, bad movie. But I thought he was great in Kick-Ass, too. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, you know what? I never saw it. Oh, it's awful. You'll hate it. But yeah. he's really good in it. Okay. And he's not in it enough. <laughs> that was kind of shocking how badly received Kick-Ass 2 was. Because Kick-Ass 1 got, like... Like, people were like, this movie actually fucking rules, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it was kind of like a surprise hit. And then the second one, like, everyone hated <laughs> Does Kick-Ass hold up? Mm, I, I I don't know. Matthew Vaughn is, is like aging like milk for me most of the yeah, time. Yeah, it seems like every one of Matthew Vaughn movies, I see it, I like it, and then I go back to it, and I'm like, wait, fuck this. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I, I think that's someone else who maybe doesn't have the best opinions about people. Although, I really like Stardust. I, lo- I love Stardust. I loved First Class. I think First Class still holds up as like a really solid like mm. spy adventure Stardust, movie. For, I mean... First class is really good until the end. I still like the end. I, I kind of hate the climax of that movie. But, um, hey. Yeah. Um, and Kingsman's a problematic fave, which I'm mm-hmm. good not rewatching anytime soon. <laughs> I think I told you, like, I saw Kingsman in theaters, and I really enjoyed it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was having a good time. I was really upset with people that were upset about the scene where that church gets massacred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There was a weird, like, liberal pearl clutching over that one. Yeah. And, uh, but it ends on that awful, awful joke, right? About him having sex with that imprisoned woman. Mm-hmm. And a dude, like, three rows in front of me, who was, like, a parody of a college frat bro. <laughs> Like, it looked like a fucking joke, like, was laughing so, like, comedy was just invented before his eyes. <laughs> and that made me go, oh, I think I hate this movie. Oh. <laughs> like, that reaction was, like, so disgusting. <laughs> and I was just, no. <laughs> no. How about The King's Man? I'm not. I'm not watching that. <laughs> when is that coming out? It came out two years ago. Oh my god, it's coming out the same weekend as uh, Matrix Resurrection. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Yeah. If if you fuckers let the Kingsman make more money, I will seriously do something. (laughs) (laughs) I realize that's that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Matrix hype is too real. Um. Yeah, but all these fuckers are going to be like, "Eh, it's it's more of this bullshit. It's it's not going to get well received. And uh, that'll upset me. Yeah, but I don't care because it's also a standalone film. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I we don't know at this point, but we don't know. You know. But uh, I'm sure the studio wants it. This, there's no way the studio greenlit a film that isn't leading into sequels or doesn't at least allow them to then make a bunch of Matrix spinoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, like we'll probably get like an Animatrix type like thing where we tell other stories yeah well apparently they still wanted to do the uh 
the Zacks, not the Zack Stance, who the fuck? I don't know, some other writer was working on, like, a, a Matrix film that was, like, mm-hmm. in the world of the Matrix, but not a part of, like, the Neo-Morpheus Trinity stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... That, yeah, I think Matrix like, Resurrections is just, is just an attempt to get a foot in the door that then they can do a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the deal with the Morpheus thing? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no fucking idea what this movie's about. It, it's so weird that there's Morpheus, but then there's uh, Gina Pinkett Smith is back. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I guess that that's another conversation for another time. Uh, I I guess just a heads up. We're doing the Matrix retrospective next. Oh yeah, we'll talk about it then. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but look, I'll close out on Fifty First Date by saying. It's probably good that they didn't show any of the days Lucy woke up with her pregnancy. Yes. Because that would have been, like, horrifying. Now, if you brought me into this writer's room, you pulled me out of the future, like, Diego, how do we make this movie work? We have, like, a week to shoot stuff again. Uh, You can't rewrite the whole script. You just have to add one element before we wrap production. I would simply say, Mr. Adam Sandler, you have the baby allow her to keep her memory so when she's pregnant she remembers everything so it's not totally fucking weird it would still be fucking weird but it would be i guess it's a magic thing i don't know how you do this better like well you know because it's got that that romantic fantasy element to it already so just go for it does you know i will say the stuff i really like about this movie is one that like they really break down like uh like Sandler's like, what do you t- and as uh, like how do you guys keep this facade up for so long? And they're immediately like, well, we can't always do it. And there's like the sequence where she she finds out it's not uh, it's not uh, her father's birthday really, and they had to tell her what happened. And you go through the whole motions of that, and then it's just like, yeah, but you're not gonna remember tomorrow, you know? Like, I really like that this movie included shit like that, you know. Mm-hmm. That, like, it's a weird kind of unlocking, because so many of these movies, these romantic comedies, are, like, built around misunderstandings. And it's this weird kind of, like, hack of that misunderstanding trope, you know? Yeah. Of, like, yeah, because she doesn't remember. Like, and they they did a good job, I felt, building, like, how this would play out a little bit. Not, like, in a realistic way, just in, like, the logic of the film. Mm Mm-hmm. Of just like, yeah, you know, some some days are bad days, and we have to tell her, but most of the time it works, and she's happy. And it's like, and it's that thing of why the father's reluctant, where he's like, look, I've seen the bad days, and I've seen the good days, and it's worth it to stick to the good days. And then it gets weird with, like, Sandler trying to, you know, he, he makes the videotape for her that explains everything that's happening. And, yeah, you know, it's a it's a weird... Um, it's a weird movie. <laughs> you know, but it's a nice, like, look back into how, like, kind of insane these romantic comedies were in this time period. Yeah. Like, this is a normal plot for back then. <laughs> Not that this well, yeah, was a was... recurring one, but, like, mm-hmm. they were weird. <laughs> it appears that this movie's been remade, like, multiple times in, like, Bollywood and Japan and Mexico. <laughs> uh, you know, they got good taste. As... As recently as two years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, they remade it in Mexico. <laughs> wow. Um, That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, this does speak to people, I guess. Yeah. Like, again, like, there is definitely a charm here. It's just, it gets, 
I don't know. It's, it's again, it's one of these things where I kind of have to ignore the like. I have to ignore the setup because it raises too many questions. But it's an interesting story about like, well, do like, what are the ethics of like? Should this girl live her life, or is she really living her life? If you're you're basically manipulating her in these ways, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, I think it's a window into how some people view relationships. Yeah, that's the other downside. Uh, um, I mean, it's also a thing of like, what is the ending? The ending is uh, she's living on a boat with because Sand- Sandler's dreams. He also wants to he wants to go to Alaska, right? Yeah. Um, and he can't, you know, he, if he leaves her, he just leaves her life completely. He can't really bring her along. She can't wake up. And at the end of it, she's she's come along. Not only that, they are married and they have a child, and her father is with them, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a weird, like, that's a weird thing to be like, but see, this heals all wounds, right? Yeah. The family unit. It's like the weird kind of, like, conservative thing that's at the heart of a lot of Sandler movies. And, yeah, it's, it's again, where it's like, the question is, how much should we help her live her full life? And then the answer is, well, isn't this worth it? Like, isn't being married... And having a child and having your father around <laughs> isn't isn't that worth the psychological like weight of uh, her injury, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't I don't think that is the answer. <laughs> I'm not saying love isn't the answer. I'm not saying she can't be in love with him, but. Uh, um, I'm saying that the weird, like, but it's all worth it to have a family <laughs> is is where I kind of get weirded out. More than anything else in the movie, really. Yeah. Like, uh, my, my solution, your version of it where, like, you have the baby cure the fucking magical amnesia, my version of it is just don't have a child. Like... That's probably end, better. <laughs> yeah, you could end with it with them being in love and then maybe do, like, old old man versions of them like old people versions be like this is what it looks like fucking 40 years later right Mm -hmm. and it's you know it it might be it's like what if you woke up you were old but found out that you had someone that loved you unconditionally in your life right which is really what that tape is it's someone being like look i know that i know what you're going through but i'm gonna love you forever right Mm -hmm. and that is it's it's like waking up from a dream almost into another dream and it's that could have been a better it's almost like isn't that how the notebook kind of ends yeah but that's also a fucking weird movie (laughs) it's a weird movie but like i'm just saying like the notebook is like considered a a rom a romantic classic kind of yeah yeah it is and, which uh 50 yeah. states is not that i'm just saying you could have maybe ended it with on that note right mm-hmm. of like i am like where you just go like how do they live or even fucking eternal sunshine for the spotless mind you know where they keep erasing their memories and falling back in love <laughs> like oh my god that came out like the same year didn't it that's crazy whoa <laughs> that's truly charlie insane. kaufman you hack <laughs> Try to type in Eternal Sunshine to check, and I got The Eternals, a good movie. Oh, okay. Um, I will see eventually. Yeah. What was the other one we were just talking Oh, Notebook. When did The Notebook come out? I think after this. Nope, same year. All three. Fuck. In the same goddamn year. Fuck. 
What was in the air in 2003? <laughs> I want to be in love but not know about it. <laughs> that post 9-11 depression, I guess, just fucking... Maybe it is. Maybe it's like, I want... I want to love again, but I don't want the pain that comes along with loving someone. I think we discovered the rot at the heart of America. We are. We're kind of getting to it. Oh, boy. Uh, 51st Dates, I I struggle to recommend it as much as I enjoy it. And, and you know, like, to be fair, like, it's not something I watch often because it, mm. it gets weirder <laughs> as you get older. But, like... Yes. I got a soft spot for it, for sure. It is a problematic fave. Nope, did I lose you? Nope, I just didn't know what to say. Okay, um, <laughs> would you recommend yeah, 50 you know, First Dates? I actually, if you, you know, if we're making a list, let me look, hold on, I have my Sander, Sandler films ranked, um, and I have not added uh, 50 First Dates to it. Um, I'll have you know I put Billy Madison over Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so where would I put this on the Sandler scale? Um, hmm. So here's how I have it ranked right now, and I'll bounce this off of you, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so it's Billy Madison, Punch Drunk Love, The Wedding Singer, The Water Boy... <laughs> Big Daddy, Mr. Deeds, Happy Gilmore, Anger Management, Little Nicky, Bulletproof, Going Overboard, and then Eight Crazy Nights. You know what? That's about... I think if I rank mine, that's about the same, yeah. Except, for, except for Punch Drunk Glove, that's number one. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's happening there. I don't know either. <laughs> I think I'm just I'm, I I I don't know. <laughs> I I probably should. Yeah, you know what? I gotta fix that. I was probably in a mood. We probably had just recorded the Punch Drunk Love episode, and I was upset. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Um, that's okay. Now we can switch over to another film, which has no. Well, no, problematic I, I'm elements. trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out where I'm gonna put Fifty First Dates. Like, here's the thing. I think I laughed more. At Anger Management, Happy Gilmore, and Mr. Deeds. Really? Right? I think I laughed more at those movies. I don't know. There's some funny shit here. There's funny shit in here, but there's funny shit in those movies, too. But the negatives of those movies <laughs> are kind of stronger than the negatives of Fifty First Dates. Mm -hmm. Like, look, you know? I don't know what it is, but Drew Barrymore beating the shit out of Rob Schneider with a, a metal bat oh, yes, kills that me is every funny. time. That is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is about that. It is so funny, but it is funny. Because someone's beating the shit out of Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Drew Barrymore. Also, because it just comes out of nowhere that she has, like, all this rage inside of her. And if you yeah. really want to keep going down the approach of, like, the character-driven aspect of this narrative, she's mm. got all this these emotions bottled up inside her, and that allows her to, like, exert it all in a single moment. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it also, it's a good sign that her and Sandler are meant for each other. Yeah. I think uh, I'm going to place it above Mr. Deeds, but below Big Daddy. Okay. Uh, so that's no, so that makes it number six on my list currently. Damn. It's still, knowing what's coming for uh, in the future, 
um, it still has a high probability of staying in the top ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, weird. Weird, uh, movie. Um, weird times. Weird times, but Adam you know Sandler. what's what's not a weird time is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which has no dun, problematic dun, 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 elements whatsoever. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, a movie called The Last Crusade. No problematic elements there. <laughs> uh, Matt, what'd you think of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and when did you first the, see it? The fuck do you think I thought of it? <laughs> <laughs> I think you thought it was a disappointment. How dare you? And Indy should hang uh, up the, the the hat. No, I, I I love Last Crusade. Yeah, this movie you know? fucking rules. I mean, it's it's good. It's good. I probably here's the here's the thing where I might get a little controversial. I like it significantly less than Raiders. I think Raiders has like a weird grit to it that none of the other sequels have. Um, but I probably like it about as much as I like Temple of Doom. Yeah, that and is controversial. I, I like this way more than Temple of Doom. Yeah, I don't like it way more than Temple of Doom, but I, I, it's probably maybe like a little bit more. But I like Temple of Doom has a lot in it that I really like. Um, I think the thing that holds Crusade back a little bit for me compared to Temple of Doom is that this one feels a lot cheaper than the previous two. It kind of does, yeah. It, there's a real cheapness to this one. Um, now it's it's still Spielberg, so it's still fucking a killer movie. <laughs> um, but like it's there, there's like you're on like castle sets, you know, like you're on film sets a lot of times where the other ones the sets at least felt a little more lived in, mm-hmm. and they actually went to some locations. I don't know. Where are the uh, tapestries? Where are the tapestries? <laughs> they dub that guy's voice, and you can tell. <laughs> Uh, it, it, you can tell he was saying Jesse Owens, but they dubbed it to Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I am Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I am Jesse Owens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think the saving grace. I think this is like it's the it's the Connery thing, you know, like Harrison Ford and Connery playing off each other is kind of fantastic. It, I mean, talk about and, charm, like from Fifty First Dates to this. Like, this movie has got so much fucking heart, you know? And you know what? I gotta give Connery a lot of credit here, because it feels like this is something that would be a lot harder to talk Harrison Ford's generation into doing. Mm -hmm. Like, Connery, you know, he he was the action star of his time. He was the sex symbol of his time. And here he's playing, like, old man kind of a goofball, right? Like, he's clearly, like, aged out of whatever coolness he had. Yeah, and he's not and, just, like, older, badass father yeah. Indiana Jones. He's, he's like, a dork. Yeah, he's not, like, you know, like, as much as I like, uh, as much as I like Harrison Ford in The Force Awakens, when he comes back, he's kind of just Han Solo again, right? Mm-hmm. They're not doing, like, Han Solo past his prime, right? Not doing Han Solo, old man. I really want if they if we're gonna get another indie, I really want it to be Indiana Jones kind of in the Sean Connery position of just like he's literally a college professor at this point <laughs> and he can't do action shit, but you know they're gonna have him like jump off of a car or something. Mm-hmm. And like and it feels like a lot of movie stars, especially like today, like it feels like I'm trying to imagine like 
cut to like 20 years from now, would you be able to talk the rock into doing something like that? No, he'll be president. You know? Oh god. Um I mean, hey. <laughs> uh wouldn't it be weird if the rock became president but then he was like better than the previous two presidents. You know what? Anything's possible at this point. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I do not want that to happen. I'm not saying it would be good, but for some reason, there's a, there's a there's more of a chance than with some of the other people out there, <laughs> like Kanye. I definitely don't want Kanye as president. Yeah, yeah, that would that would fuck this country up. 2006 um, Kanye, yes, <laughs> that's my take, but not now. Sorry. What if he had? What if he became president? 2006 Kanye, but then he had like an Ivan the Terrible arc, where like. <laughs> He just became horrible as it went along. So, like, his first administration's, like, really good, but then his second administration's really bad. Again, anything's possible now. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I, I think uh, Connery kind of is, like, the saving... Also, and I, I think, like, the reunion of, like, John Rhys Davies coming back and then Home Elliot, like, it all just builds to, like, a really, like, fun... This is a fun adventure film done about as well as a fun adventure film can be done. Yeah, they they barely get better than this, if ever. Like, yeah, I I've my God, I would kill to see this on the big screen. Mm-hmm. You know, and like and... We're, we're talking about this cheapness, it's twice the budget of Raiders and Temple of Doom. Yeah, but I think what we're seeing there is everyone's salaries going up. <laughs> Maybe yes. <laughs> I don't think it's uh they they did not put it into the sets or practical effects. Um, it's how much money can we give Harrison Ford to force him to film in the desert? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's really what it came down to. Yeah. Um, but, cause you, I mean, it's the thing, you know, and God bless Harrison Ford, but he was definitely is like a curmudgeon type guy. And when he shows up to do his job, he does his fucking job, and you can tell when he likes being there. Mm-hmm. I think that's also one of the saving graces of Blade Runner 2049, is that you can tell he wants to be there. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of nuts, <laughs> like. Uh, whereas this, it's it's a little bit more him being like, I'm kind of done with Indiana Jones. Not entirely, you know. He still clearly loves the character, but he's not like it's not him with the scrappy kind of attitude he had with Raiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where and that one's like the fights there are like really tooth and nail, and here mm. they have they have that element too, but they're less tooth and nail i guess yeah and i think that's the saving grace of temple of doom for me is that it still kind of has that like weird like flying by the sea your pants just like it feels like they're making up the action as they go along Mm -hmm. and the action can just be like really violent and gross (laughs) whereas like that movie has like a big racism problem (laughs) (laughs) that that tends to be a big problem yeah 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 yeah. and then this movie kind of has just like going through the motions type problem you know a little point- bit like the action's not very visceral apart mm-hmm. from maybe the finale of the boat chase when it's like they're right at the propellers of the giant cruise ship or whatever yeah. and uh the desert scenes like in, in the, the tank finale, fight is like the highlight of the movie the tank yeah like, the, the tank, tank fight, fight is, is like incredible. down and dirty that's uh-huh. when you really feel it like fucking sean connery like uh Getting slammed against like the ridges of the tank oh, yeah, wheels and shit. Like, yeah, that's, and like, just pretty... the whip catches him. Yeah. yeah, like that's the fantastic stuff in it. Um, also, is my favorite line in the movie, um, which is when uh, the Nazis slap in Sean Connery. 
And he grabs me. He's like, I think stepping morons like you should try reading books instead of burning them. <laughs> Which uh, is great. Um, if you want to talk about, like, quote unquote, the silent majority of America, which used to be a conservative thing, I think the silent majority has kind of become a more liberal term. Because when I saw it, one of the best moments I ever had in theaters was when I saw Spider Man into the Spider Verse in theaters. Mm hmm. And they they go to the uh, Nicolas Cage uh, Spider Man Noir, and when he says, "I like to drink milkshakes and fight Nazis," the whole audience cheered. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Like it was a weird like okay, a lot more of us are on the same page than I thought. Okay, that's good. <laughs> it, that was a real moment of like fuck yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is one, of, which is why the streaming model, I think, is fucking us all up because we can't have that moment anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I talked about the negative side of it, where that bro laughed at the Kingsman, but the positive side of it is being in a theater and realizing, hey, we all kind of understand that Nazis are bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's weird that they keep getting platformed, but hey, it's the people it know weird. what's up. I do think, honestly, because I also had a thing where I went back to my hometown recently, and there's always that worry when you're meeting up with friends that some of them are going to reveal politics that are bad. Mm-hmm. And it was shocking how much of us, not only, like, it's one thing to be anti-Trump, right? Like, I grew up in a very liberal area. Most of us were anti-Trump, right? Right, right. It was a lot weirder to see that everyone was on the same page about the vaccines, and that everyone was on the same page about uh, Elon Musk being a piece of shit. All right. <laughs> Which is something I really didn't expect. And uh, it, it was one of those moments where I'm like, oh, a lot more of us got a handle on it than I like to admit sometimes. Like, that's why the fucking fascists have to keep changing the rules. Because the rules are stacked against them. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. That's why they have to keep making voting laws so much more strict. Because they, they are losing, ultimately. Um, it's we're not seeing a massive fascist shift in this country. We're just seeing the fascists kind of make the rules more in their favor, which sucks. I'm not denying yeah, yeah. that. But we got to remember we're not as alone as we think we are sometimes, especially in this age where we're all stuck indoors a lot still. Yeah. And that's that's any kind of Jones and No. <laughs> I mean that's the other thing about this movie. Yeah, kind of watch it, and you kind of go, eh, it's not as good as Raiders, or, oh, fuck yeah, but it's not as good as Raiders. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I will the, say, this if, is my favorite Indiana Jones movie. I, I, I have right. a hard time really saying it's it's better made than Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. but it, it, I this is the one I go back to the most, uh, for here's sure. The, I think Raiders is undeniably the better film. It, it just blows all the other Indiana Jones, and probably every other Spielberg action film out of the water. Like, it just is that movie. But Crusade probably has the biggest collection of my favorite moments. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, we're going moment by moment. Like, No Ticket. Like, that's classic. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, uh, oh, God. What was the, the, the... I would argue possibly the funniest edit in the entire franchise. Which you probably just could play the clip here, but... It, and you know what? I've been listening to some of our recordings, and every time I say play the clip here, you don't fucking put the clip in. So, <laughs> Well, I tend to cut them out. Just because, yeah. like, YouTube will flag it now. Yeah, but it's uh, the scene where they're like, Marcus will stick out like a sore thumb. The he- we'll catch him in a day. The hell you will. And Indy gives that whole fucking glorious speech. 
He's like got friends from everywhere between here and the Sudan. He knows a dozen languages, knows every local custom. He'll blend in, disappear. You'll never see him again. With our luck, he has the grail already. And then immediate cut to, does anyone here speak English? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that is the funniest fucking moment in this area. Which, it never fails to not make... Like, I always am dying at that edit. Like, it's so perfect. Like, I can't... Just not even that. It's just the cut from the slow zoom in on Indy, and he really sells it too. Even though by this point we all know Marcus is a dope, like he's been knocked out in the museum already. Like, <laughs> and we do zoom in, and for a second it's always like, ah, he's got this. And then they just cut the framing of Marcus stick. He sticks out so badly <laughs> on that street. I'm just like, ah, does anyone here speak English? And you know, that also comes down to like Spielberg's direction, the wardrobes too. Like, not yeah, just because yeah. it's a white guy in the Middle East, but, like, his, his like, what is it? It's like a gray suit amongst, like, like the beige ensemble. Like, it's it's so funny. Like, that that is the perfect comedy moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, how many, like, film trilogies have equally iconic moments across all three? I know, yeah. Like, I mean, it's like this in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, he chose poorly like people still yeah. say that mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know well, what you're talking like, about it's that thing where like if you introduce someone to uh indiana jones like you show him raiders they'll be like hey but where's that moment like i know everyone talks about like the word like he shows poorly i thought that was in this movie and you're like no that's one of the later ones right mm-hmm. like i that's the, that's another thing against temple of doom is that temple of doom doesn't have that many like iconic moments Kalima. yeah like which that. is just racist now yeah hindsight, but <laughs> yeah that was but definitely it's... popular <laughs> Ripping that guy's heart out is cool. Like, that's that's a cool thing. Oh, yeah, how many but kids my... did that, like, on the playground, you know? The... <laughs> you betrayed Shiva. Like, I think there's that. Uh, there's the alligators. People know that. Um, and then, like, Short Round. <laughs> oh, again. Love Dr. Jones. Which, uh, yeah. Maybe don't do um, that voice. I didn't do the voice. I just quoted what he said. No, 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 no. I know, I know. Just, just uh, <laughs> word to the wise for anybody um, listening. Don't uh, do that. Yeah. Also, uh, another another thing I really love about this one is uh, the River Phoenix prologue. Oh yeah, um, I don't know how we didn't talk which, about that like immediately. Yeah, it's but it's also a moment like a prologue. Like now we're gonna see Young Indiana Jones. Speaking of also where there is a series called Young Indiana Jones, which I think this scene was received so well is why they did that. Um, but normally a scene like this would kind of be like ah fuck you like I don't need to see where Andy came from. But it's like one of the best moments in the movie. And, you know, like, I've seen a lot of criticism about it recently where it's like, yeah, you don't really need that in the movie. And, like, I guess if you argue that you don't really need this movie in general and that's fine yeah. for you. But for the film, I think it works because it's like you're tracing Indy's roots, his relationship yeah. to his father. You immediately understand that, right? And you also... I mean, that's really the importance of it is establishing that father relationship. Yeah, you know? the, the whip in the hat, not so much, but then you get that great cut with the hat or like get him next time whatever and then he puts yeah. the hat over his head his head goes down his head lifts back up and it's it's modern indie it's fucking yep. great that's great shit yeah i also like i think there is kind of a statement about like this is not going to be like the other indiana jones we're like i think this is spielberg kind of just being like how far can we take this shit <laughs> <laughs> because they have the you have the great ch- uh, train chase falling in and out of the things you have him like getting the whip you have him being scared of snakes whatever but then he literally climbs into like a magic box 
No. <laughs> and like literally disappears and ends up outside of the train. Yeah. <laughs> which is like kind of this movie being like, we're going to go as far as we fucking can with the reality of this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that comes back later, not in like a, as ridiculous kind of way, but I mean, there is the, uh, the pathway, like there's all the, uh, the, the tasks he has to do to get to the Holy Grail. But I think a bigger moment is when the tank goes off the cliff and everyone thinks he died and he comes back and like, everyone's like, Oh, Indy, blah, blah, blah. and then just off camera, just like no explanation whatsoever. Like the hat just gets thrown back into the frame, <laughs> you know, like there's no logic there whatsoever, but he's Indiana Jones. So he has to get his hat back. So like that stuff's fantastic. Also, Indy literally meets Hitler in this. <laughs> yes, it does happen. Dead this center is, of the film. Uh, uh, four years from now, Schindler's List comes out. <laughs> Good lord. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a wild scene. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. So there's Bond girls, and now there's indie girls, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Elsa, the Nazi... I I don't particularly care for this character. Um, is that yeah, I think controversial? That is a, I think that's a bit of a failing of this one, is that she's supposed to be like you don't really know where her allegiance is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what her character is supposed to be, but they never get there with it. Yeah, and also she's like, a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, she's I a Nazi. I feel like if you're going to play, like, double agent with a Nazi... Uh, you you have to write like a fucking perfect screenplay and this one's written by Jeffrey Bohm who mm-hmm. wrote the Lethal Weapon sequels uh, not Lethal Weapon 4 actually that's weird I don't know who, who did that mm-hmm. one then but specifically Lethal Weapon 2 and 3 The Lost Boys Dead Zone Inner Space oh and uh, he has since passed away I didn't know that yeah yeah he passed away kind of kind of young yeah 53 you know? uh, uh, rest in peace Yes, he, he has a very good uh, group of films under his belt. Yeah, 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 uh, he does. Um, although it's that classic thing of, like, his movies are always good, but not, like, the greatest scripts. Mm-hmm. And he's always kind of in the shadow of better movies, you know? Yeah. Which That's is uh, unfortunate. Because it's like, you know, he, he rewrote Lethal Weapon 2. And, like, famously, the Lethal Weapon 2 script was very... The Shane Black version was very different. And then he kind of came in and turned it. And then... Three people kind of don't like. I have not seen three in forever. Um, and then he's got, you know, now he's got this, which is like living in the shadow of the other uh, Indiana Jones films. Yeah. Um, but I do think it, it's just, it's a good, it brings things back to formula. I think, yeah, they're trying to do the thing of like, she, because she says she's not a Nazi, but she's working with them, right? Mm-hmm. So she's a collaborator, right? Which is still a war crime. <laughs> which is still bad. Yeah. But like, they don't really know what to do with it, you know? Like, there's, like, what do you like? It's, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a shame because Marion Ravenwood is like one of the great characters like in cinema history, mm-hmm. and you got to follow her up with these. <laughs> Who yeah. you know, no failing of the actresses. The actresses are, are not the problems with these the characters, uh-huh. but it's just a bummer. Yeah, it's 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 one of the uh, the bigger flaws of the film. Um. But I don't think... I think the indie girl thing was kind of a mistake. Like, that's, like, one of the things where they stuck close to the Bond formula a little too closely, you know? I, I'd agree with this, because chronologically, this one takes place after Raiders, right? Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how you fit this in, and maybe you didn't even need her in this, but, like, I would have liked... I always wanted a Marion Ravenwood return, and I will get yeah. that eventually. We will get it. Um, um, But I would have liked it in this one, too. Yeah, it's, you know... I, I think it's that thing of, like, you kind of have to have an uh, indie girl because you have to have a fucking female character in this goddamn movie mm-hmm. that is mostly a sausage fest, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's... Eh. Eh. Um, hey, uh, Julian Glover's in this. Yes, he is. Yeah, General uh, Veers from The Empire Strikes Back. There's a back. fucking guy that, like, just keeps popping up in, like, the most important franchises of their decades, uh-huh. you know? Because <laughs> he was fucking Grandmaster Pycelle on Dream of Thrones. Yeah. And he was great on it, too. That's a great character. Yeah. <laughs> um, And he did the voice of uh, Aragog in uh, Chamber of Secrets. Holy you fuck, he's still alive. I thought he was dead. Oh, no, no, he's still around. 86. Keep fucking going, King. Keep fucking going, Oh, my going, God. Man. Get in one of those Marvel movies or something, just so you can just say that you've been in every great franchise. Oh, my God, he's really been, like, in fucking everything. Yeah, he's all... Oh, he's, he's fucking crazy. He was just in the fucking crown! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I think Marvel's the only thing, like, the big one that he hasn't been in. Yeah. Yo, has he been on Doctor Who? Ooh, let me check. Because that's yep. like the... Oh, yep. Yeah, 1965. City of Death. I forgot he's in City of Death. Fuck. Um, and Blake 7. <laughs> and the other Avengers. Wait, okay. He was in Doctor Who twice then. 1965, oh, okay. 1979. Oh, he was Richard the Lionheart in the Crusade, which I have not seen that one. Oh, because it's one of the ones that's like half missing. Oh. Uh, but yeah, oh wow. Yeah. Hey, he's a great he's... villain in this. He's a great fucking Nazi scumbag. Oh yeah, he's 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 good and he's also I mean, he's again, he's a, he's a collab I don't is he full Nazi cuz he's a Oh no, he wears a Nazi pin. Yeah, he's at he's one a point. businessman. And that's mm-hmm. why he's like, "Oh, Joan, he's one of those, those finger-wagging villains." Here's the thing. George Lucas gets story credit on all of these movies, right? Mhm. And famously, he always kind of had problems with all of them. <laughs> so, like, other people wrote the screenplays for uh, these movies. Uh, so it's always, we're always trying to find out what was, what ideas in it were George Lucas's. And if there's one thing I think we could definitely single out, it's that an American businessman collaborating with the Nazis. Yes. That is an that incredibly is a Lucas, Lucas idea. Touch. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell yeah, King. <laughs> he was the one where he wanted this one to be set in, like, a haunted house. Yeah, actually. the haunted he wanted to do like script. A, he wanted to do a one-location indie film to, to uh, kind of cut back on the expenses. Because mm-hmm. uh, this is also at the point where Lucas is, like, fucking floundering in terms of money. Yeah. Um, he's just, yeah, not doing... Uh, and it's really right before uh, the Star Wars kind of merchandise renaissance that happens. Mm-hmm. And that's when he's like, well, then let's try it with everything. And that's where Young Indiana Jones comes from. Yeah. Which doesn't go anywhere, but hey. No, it's only like, a, it's got two seasons or something like that, or three. It's, it's, it's got a couple little... But it's also that weird thing where you can't get like a complete version of it. Yeah, it was streaming on Amazon and like decent quality, um, which I would recommend, but... Yeah, it's got it, to be on Disney Plus now, doesn't it? It's supposed to be eventually. Or okay, you know what? No, because it's fucking Paramount. I think they have it. Paramount. Plus oh, is okay. Get it. I right. don't know specifically. 
I, I don't think it's available anywhere yet. Uh, you can buy it, the whole series, and I, I honestly would recommend but, it because it's like interesting. But the- the series they cut out all the old Indiana Jones stuff. They did, yes. Yeah, which uh, frankly, <laughs> I know how silly it is, and I know people don't really like it, but I think it would be. I, I would like to at least have it available. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it, but yeah, always have the options available. That's really what that was also got to do his with idea. <laughs> that was that was Luke's idea of uh, having like he wanted these to go in uh, go to schools, you know. Mm-hmm. He wanted schools to be able to, like, there would always be an opening with Old Indy where they'd go to the post office and be like, I remember when the post office was invented, like, <laughs> some bullshit. And everyone's like, oh, sure. But then they give a flashback, and then you find an Indiana Jones adventure, mm-hmm. which I guess is educational in some way. Well, it would be, but, like, revolving around a lot of, like, early century history. Yeah. That's why. Also, because there's say- probably money involved through government grants if you do that. Yeah, but also I say, like he, I, Lucas does want to like inform through art. Yeah, I gotta say I do really like the look of really old indie, like where he's like got an eye patch. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's actually really cool. Um, Are they gonna do that in the new movie? We'll see. That would be nuts. I would if, fucking love that if he loses his eye or something. If that's in the trailer, I'm there day one. <laughs> Honestly, they'll get me that way. That would be kind of nuts. Yeah. Uh, do you ever play any of the Indiana Jones games? Actually, no. I feel like I'm missing out on a whole other world they're here. They're doing. They're making a new one right now, right? Yes. Like, um, uh, I don't remember who, but someone who's like good. I I, I thought it was Bethesda. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. It's not that Bethesda offshoot that does the the Skyrim. It's not Todd Packer, or whatever. It's not Todd. Oh yeah, yeah. What, what, what's uh, his name? It... Todd. Todd Howard, Todd Howard. Yeah, it it's the Bethesda that does like the Doom games and stuff like that. Okay, like right. real developers. Yeah, fuck yeah, then do it. Yeah, man. so that's it, super it fucking is, exciting. There's a shit ton of them, um, but it's weird they've never. I was honestly shocked. Like when Uncharted was big, why did they someone not just go? Let's just get Harrison Ford to fucking voice Indiana Jones. Yeah, that game would make then, money. If Uncharted yeah. made money, they'd be like, well, here's the real deal. What are you doing that for? It, here's real indie. Yeah. And here's here's him actually doing shit. And we're gonna and then you're gonna be like, it's canon, which doesn't really matter, but fans care about it. Yeah. So uh yeah. And also that's so. another thing I wanted to touch on. Like, I'm not totally against an indie movie that would have been set in like a single location. But because movies are so much more expensive and such a more, like, laborious process than doing a television show, like, Mm -hmm. if this was a TV show, which Young Indiana Jones was, Mm -hmm. then you could do the, like, the haunted house castle thing, which they do do in the show. And so that's, that's how George Lucas got his way, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that, on a TV show, you can do all these crazy different ideas. On a movie, you you need to narrow it down, like, way more. (laughs) I really wish they could bring back the animated series. Like, when they used to just do, like, Back to the Future, the animated series. Yeah. You know? Uh Like, Indiana Jones feels, like, completely teed up for Indiana Jones, the animated adventures, or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know? And just get, like, fucking uh, Andy Tartakovsky, you know? like Oh, fuck yeah. Just get him to do it. And you could do an entire episode with no dialogue. (laughs) Yeah, like, he did with Samurai Jack a bunch of times. Exactly. And I don't know. It's weird. It feels like is are the rights still partly with Paramount? Or I think is so. I'm all still Lucas looking film? it up. It doesn't like 
say who who's getting it first. Yeah, because it's uh, well, I'll just look at what the fifth film is saying. Um, because the fifth well, the film fifth is still film, a Disney production, so it won't have. But the, there's the nothing Paramount. uh nothing Paramount mentioned, so it makes me assume that they have all of the indie rights. Uh, I mean, because you know, 20th Century Fox did not get Star Wars. Yeah. So it might be that similar thing. Uh, but it just feels weird that they haven't tried to tap into the Indiana Jones thing as much as Star Wars. Yeah, Young Indiana Jones is available on Paramount Plus right now. Okay. So I guess all they're right. the ones that have the TV rights. All right. Did they put old indie back in? That's all I care about. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I care about. I have no idea. Um. Anyways, good show. I'd recommend it. Good movie. I would also recommend it. Yeah, good good movies. Good uh, good shit going on here. Yeah, we will uh, see how we feel about the fourth one eventually. Yeah, I don't know. I I've uh. It's been so long, and we're like so past like that era where it was like, oh yeah, it was on the internet that this movie's bad, so that means it's bad. Yeah, but it's also we're past the reevaluation era, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're also in the shadow of this upcoming fifth film that no one wants. No, no, people. And... some people want it, but I think they're wrong. Yeah. Sorry. But it's, it's, it's weird. I remember it, it was that weird thing of, and I think the Star Wars prequels had the weird kind of arc too, where... There was, like, an initial, like, very brief positive reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Like, very, very brief. And then the nerds revolt and go, like, actually, it's the worst thing ever made. <laughs> and then, cut to a few years later, it got, like, a reevaluation. And then you, that's, but then the reevaluation always fucks itself, because then they start going, actually, it's the best of the Indiana Jones films. Which is just not true. And I bet you it's going to find that weird spot where it's like, it's mostly an okay movie. That's my bet at this point. Like, I remember it losing, I remember really liking it last time I watched it, and then it losing, like, a lot of speed once they got to the jungle. That's that's my memory of it. Hmm. Well, we shall see. Well, what do you remember? Because I want your, like, what, what you remember. I remember uh, liking it. Okay. Not I, I like in love too. with it, but I remember yeah. liking it. I remember liking it too. I'm just saying, like, it once it kind of runs out of steam when they get to the jungle. Also, I do remember, but every time I've watched it, I always have trouble tracking where the crystal skull actually is. Oh, yeah. I remember that, which is like the one thing Indiana Jones movies should get right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, of the lowest bar possible, we should be able to tell where the object is. Um, but Last but Crusade. Hey, Thumbs Last up. Crusade. Good Thumbs movie. Up. Yeah, no one, no one dislikes this movie. I'm sure some people do, but no one dislikes. All right, you know what? I'm gonna go to Letterboxd, see what crazy people have to say. No, no, because there always are fucking crazy people. There's gonna be some fucking bullshit. I just know it. All right, hold on, we're getting there. Mm. I bet you people now are like, they hate it, and then they prop up Crystal Skull as the better version. But you that's a take. No, you know, mostly positive. No one I f- follow seems to be a hater of it. So yeah, I'm seeing positive stuff too. So this is good. Yeah. Good job, everyone. Good. good job for once, Letterbox. And have some fucking crazy shit going on on there. But yeah, Last Crusade. 
Thanks you know for joining my favorite me, Matt. Type, you know what my favorite type of letterbox person is? No. The person who changes their mind, which is fine, but then acts like that's what they always believed. Well. I follow a few of those. <laughs> can't all be perfect. Unlike me, Matt Garingo. Yes. But then again, I've never been wrong about a movie, so. Weren't you, like, not looking forward to Blade Runner 2049? Thanks for joining us! <laughs> <laughs> Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And then if I'm doing anything else, just follow me on Twitter and I'll tweet about it. <laughs> you can find me at the Deagle Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. We're going to get early access to the Matrix retrospective, maybe, if we haven't done hey. that. I don't, I, you know what? No, that's a lie, because we're, we're not going to record that before this is out. Sorry. Happy Thanksgiving, though, if you enjoyed that and the colonization of America, you, you terrorist. Whoa. Hey, wait. The uh, anger management episode just dropped. Yeah. So this is going to drop. Yeah. So you are going to get this before the Matrix retrospective. We're not going to record it before this is out, though. What the fuck are you saying? We're not going to record the Matrix retrospective before this episode comes out, so I'll have nothing to, to share on the Patreon. Okay. That's all I was saying. All right. All those Patreon subscribers. Yeah. To, to the, the two people that no no a handful of people support us Dan so Doherty you. yeah Dan Doherty Dan Doherty's burner account <laughs> yeah, the seven Dan Doherty burner accounts thank you Dan thank you um, <laughs> but yeah go check out so I'll do I'll do writing I'll do writing there's there's other stuff I have some fucking thoughts about the Iron Spider costume and so I have to get my my fucking ramblings out about why that's the is worst it, Iron uh, Spider-Man costume it, ever made yeah, that it's terrible. <laughs> that it's ugly and terrible, and it's also antithetical to the Spider-Man character. Even in context with the MCU, but we'll get there eventually. Thanks I, for listening, everyone. There's where I would disagree. I think you could make it work. I think but, you could, too, but not the way they've done it. But then, like Venom, it has to become the suit has to become sentient, and then he has to fight the suit. You just read my mind. <laughs> thanks for listening well, thanks for that's watching not, sorry no look i'm not sorry not to end it but that's not like a, <laughs> we didn't like that's not like a deep idea you know that's like what that's a first draft idea yeah. and the mcu can't even get there yeah they do it in batman so, beyond yeah 20 years it would ago be, <laughs> it would be kind of cool if uh uh dr octopus after they get done laughing at his name um, if he, like, hacks the spider suit with his genius powers. I think he's going to destroy it. Not that I'm actually looking forward to that movie, although I did, was that, I did like, think the, the most... trailer looked kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Was that... No, fuck you. Was that... That was the most crushing moment of this past few years. <laughs> oh, them laughing... No, that's awful. Them laughing at his name is awful. Like, yeah. Like, it, it, it was like, oh, there's really no hope for culture. Yeah. Moment. Like... It's like... That was... It's... It's the guy from the same fucking franchise. Yeah. Like, it's there's nothing there that's worthless. It's like, yeah, we can't go back to the era where he just wears a big trench coat and robs a bank. Like, now I gotta do goofy shit. Like, I can't believe your name's Dr. Otto Octavius. It's not even that weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Fucking broke me. Truly. I have not recovered from seeing that trailer. I thought the rest of the trailer looked kind of fun. 
It's part of why I pulled back on defending Eternals to you. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I was really gearing up to, like, I was going to text you, like, multiple times a day to be like, you should see Eternals. And then that trailer dropped, and I was like, no. Like, I'm going to tweet no. that. You hated the trailer so much, you stopped trying to get me to watch the Eternals. Yeah, I still want you to see it. I still think you will like it. I want, I want to be very clear on that. But it's, uh, yeah, that, that, that was... But all these fuckers, it's going to piss me off when everyone that skipped Eternal sees Spider-Man. Like, and, like, people go, like, I just went to dunk on it. And I was going to, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, don't, don't participate in something just to dunk on it. Just avoid yeah. it, honestly. At least I have the excuse that I have to see these so I can lie to my family and say I like them. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know what, that's part of the reason why I'm so glad I love No Time to Die. It's because I don't have to be like, no, I didn't really like that. And then, see, you know in the real world, people assume I don't like anything. On the internet, everyone assumes I like everything. Yeah. It's like um, I'm Spider-Man, torn between two worlds. My family did not like No Time to Die. I'm sorry, your family weird. is cowards. It was weird. I, I honestly didn't expect that. I thought I was going to come away with like the most kind of lukewarm response, and they were like, eh, that was kind of a mess. But then I realized none of them remembered anything that happened in Spectre, so oh. that that probably played a role. Anyways, um, thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. Thanks for watching. We've been professionally unprofessional. I did the ending. Fuck you. Ooh.